Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back, and it is hour number two of the Pro Football Blitz here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, as we take you through every game that we saw in Week 12 of the National Football League. Also keep you up to date on what's going on in Sunday Night Football. I'm Ben Wilson, back from downtown Las Vegas. James Salinas, former Super Contest champion, joining us in Denver, Colorado. We're going to get to our updates here on the Circa Millions, the consensus for this week. It was not a good week for the consensus, James, at 1-4. and four. Uh, as you and I both sit here, though, right now, sweating out the Sunday night game, the Cleveland Browns at plus three and a half in the contest, both in our contest plays this week. I'm two and two uh, this week with Browns pending. I got to tell you, man, it, it has not been a banner night for Kevin Stefanski so far. Uh, it, both, you haven't missed much so far if you're just tuning in. It's nothing, nothing in the game. Two minutes left in the first quarter. Cleveland punting on its first two drives. Baltimore uh, with the ball right now. But Baltimore just lined up, wanted to go for it, tried to set up first a fake punt on fourth and two. The officials blew it dead because Cleveland was apparently trying to sub and didn't have time to do it. Then, after trying to set up another punt, Cleveland calls timeout. Then Lamar Jackson comes onto the field to go for it on their own about 30-yard line, and Cleveland gets called for 12 men on the field. So, James, that's kind of been the night in a nutshell so far for Cleveland. And in all honesty, probably fortunate here that we're sitting at uh, at nothing-nothing based on what what has happened so far in this game. Also, Jack Conklin being injured earlier, and uh, we have yet to see him return here for the Browns. Did not look good, the right tackle and leader of that O-line. Yeah, and thinking about where we're at now in this game, I mean, you mentioned the the 12 men on the field. You have somebody out there that is supposed to count ABCs, one, two, threes. Uh, sometimes the the magnitude of the game, and I guess maybe the for the Cleveland Browns, expectations are higher coming into this season, and 
I don't know. Is this probably the biggest game that we've seen for Cleveland? For especially them being healthy right now, is this the biggest game that we've seen for Cleveland on their schedule to this point? Playing on Sunday Night Football, big division game on the road against the Ravens, and we know that right now that AFC North really is topsy turvy when it comes to it's anybody's division at this point. I don't know the the focus sometimes, and you just saw a lack of focus from the Browns committed a. a unsportsmanlike penalty or uh, roughing the passer, unnecessary roughness, pushing Lamar Jackson way out of bounds. Sometimes your your hype, your energy, your emotions can get the best of you. you got to be able to keep your cool. And I think for a team like Cleveland who hasn't been in these situations before, you start to see the mental aptitude. Are you able to handle all that adrenaline and that emotion to keep your keep your poise and keep your focus? And right now, for the, on this possession, a lot of be, a lot a lot of that has been very beneficial right now as the Ravens continue to drive getting I, down it, close to the just the, like it's what, something that, line, uh, I think. It, it breaks my brain, James Almo, when you have a twelve bit on the field on a fourth down when you've had three chances to line up and out of a timeout, no less. So I. That's been Cleveland in a nutshell tonight. Baltimore going to line it for a field goal here with Justin Tucker, about 50 yards. We'll, we'll keep you posted on Sunday Night Football. But I mentioned the consensus this week. We'll have that graphic for you. We saw the consensus really struggle, James, one and four overall this week. And uh, the game I wanted to discuss, it was one that you and I were both a little surprised on, at least as of the selection uh, yesterday. And that was the Indianapolis Colts uh, with the plus three selection, Tampa Bay at uh, minus three on the other side was, I believe, the ninth most selected game in the contest. That was one of the four losers, and that, that's a game I wanted to discuss with you because the game of the day, just incredibly back and forth. In the end, probably a bad beat, at least if you were uh, thinking you, you probably deserve to push either side, if, if we're being uh, all honest here, in a game that closes in some shops, Tampa down to minus two and a half, somewhere minus three, total 53 or 53 and a half. Your thoughts on – I'm curious your thoughts on the play calling here from Frank Reich offensively. You had a bet on Carson Wentz under 252.5 passing yards. And after Tampa Bay came out of the gates and really shut down Jonathan Taylor, who only had 20 yards of rushing offense in the first half, Indianapolis completely abandoned the run. And not only did they abandon the run, James, it actually worked for long stretches of this game – only to then collapse in the end as Carson Wentz has a pair of back-breaking, uh, first a fumble, then a pair of interceptions late, and ultimately it's Tampa who get the late Leonard Fournette rushing touchdown to go up by seven instead of kicking the game-winning field goal and survive a late Hail Mary from Carson Wentz. So much happening uh, in a game like this, and Tampa ends up getting the win. Well, and thinking about from the Indianapolis Colts' standpoint, going into this game, we knew it was going to be a battle with – the Bucks front seven in particular with Vita Vea coming back and Indomitian Sue on the inside too. This was going to be the challenge. It was alpha v. alpha at the line of scrimmage for Tampa Bay's defensive line versus the Colts' offensive line. And the Colts, I guess, won it. Uh, uh, excuse me. The Bucks maybe won it early, but this really didn't even try to establish much of a running game. And maybe to the, to the Bucks, to the, the demise of the Bucks' defense, Finally, we're starting to get healthy coming into this game, Ben, and then suffered a couple of injuries early in that first half. Uh, Dean went out at the quarterback position. He had just started to get healthy. White was injured. He came back this week, and Devin White went out in that first quarter, too, so you're missing a couple of starters, key starters, especially thinking about White and all the plays he makes in that run game. And then it became the Carson Wentz show and sucked up some safeties over the top, had a big play, big, what, 60-plus yard touchdown pass over the top early in that game. And then they have the lead going into halftime. And we were talking about this earlier where at some point there was a stretch from towards the latter part of the first half into the early part of the fourth quarter where the Colts attempted 
20 stri- 27 straight dropbacks, not even thinking about getting back to the run. And you saw a 10-point lead at the half turn into eventually a 7-point deficit. And that was when they finally decided, well, we got to start running the football again. They do. They give the ball to Jonathan Taylor eight times on one drive out of 10 plays. They go down and score a touchdown to tie it up. But... Yeah, then all it is at the end of the game, I think for the Colts defensively, we saw some of the weaknesses with that Colts team. We know that they're defensively, they're banged up in the secondary at the safety position. Both starting safeties have been out for a while, but it looked like Leonard Fournette really wanted to do his best Jonathan Taylor impression where he had three touchdowns and then the sealer, depending on which side you were you on on this game. And I wasn't. I didn't take a position on the game as far as the, the side was concerned, but Fournette being able to go house that basically to end the game and push that point total uh, over over seven or put it at, at seven to where they win and cover when you're looking like, yeah, maybe we'll get a push out of all this when it's all said and done and, and move forward, whether in the contest or on the side yeah where do the Colts go from here now I think this is the Colts thinking about this is going to be a challenging schedule coming up soon for the Colts I know they're going to be able to have kind of a a, a, in a sense a scrimmage coming up against the the Houston Texans but then they're going to go on their bye and then they're going to have to face New England and at Arizona in back-to-back weeks where I think the Colts were feeling like maybe they have an opportunity to get back in the AFC South because of Tennessee and all their injuries and then Tennessee losing again today. But this was pretty uh, as pretty a devastating loss, I think, for the Colts from that, from that aspect. And you think about it, too. Not only have they fallen out of playoff contention as of right now, at least playoff current positioning out of the top seven, uh, they are behind the Raiders and the Broncos, who are currently technically eighth and ninth. They are tenth right now, James. The Colts at six and six. In the AFC, and really where this game changes, up twenty, uh, up twenty-seven, fourteen uh, in this game. Carson went strip sacked in Tampa Bay territory. Uh, first drive, I should say, twenty-four, fourteen at this point. First drive of the of the third quarter, on the eighth passing play of the drive, as you mentioned, James. All plays were passing plays. Wentz gets strip sacked, fumbled in Tampa territory, leads to Leonard Fournette, one of his three rushing touchdowns. He had three on the day, one hundred rushing yards, makes it twenty-four, twenty-one. Next possession, again, into the into Tampa Bay territory. Wentz is picked on a deep ball, uh, picked by Antoine Winfield Jr., leads to another Fournette touchdown. And after uh, after the Naeem Hines fumble on a punt return, that set up a Tampa Bay field goal, 31-24, a swing of 17 points off three indie turnovers, two from Wentz. And as, I, I would, as we talked about earlier, looking at these Offensive Player of the Year award markets, and we'll see where Jonathan Taylor gets reposted at. It is kind of amazing, James, with how... See, at least I thought seemingly poor of a game plan it was to abandon the run so early where Taylor still ends up with 83 rushing yards on 16 carries and a touchdown. Not a bad day by any means. Just not quite the, uh, the, the high lofty standards he sets himself up to. I guess on the Tampa Bay side, the question is, it's another battered game for the defense. Jamel Dean goes out at one point. Vita Vea had a tooth knocked out. Who They just got both of those players back recently, along with Sean Murphy, uh, Murphy Bunting in that secondary it's the first game in six where Tampa Bay covers on the road, uh, but still not a, not exactly a game you come out thinking that Tampa was clicking on all cylinders. Sure, they they keep their positioning, James, third team in the NFC, but at eight and three here, while we we know what we expect uh, for Tampa, they're going to be there at the end of the day. What 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 does a game like this tell you about a team like Tampa Bay? Certainly impressive that they won the game, but there were a lot of a lot of faults in their in, in their in, in their spot as well, especially early on with Tom Brady and the passing offense being out of sync here. It only ends up throwing for two hundred twenty six yards on thirty four attempts. 
Well, it seemed like they you talked about being out of sync, absolutely, where they're just not on the same page, not reading the defenses, whether it's, whether it's Brady thinking you're going to sit down on this route as opposed to running these crossers. I mean, they just really felt like, I think that's been kind of the case for a while now with the Bucks, especially with Antonio Brown being out for as long as he has been. Just doesn't seem like Brady and his, and whether it's Mike Evans or even Gronk on a couple of plays, just feeling like that they are on the same page. Really, Gronk is his whoopee right now, and that's the one he's consistently looking Looking for, I wasn't impressed with the Buccaneers on either side of the football today. Yeah, they come away with a seven-point victory, but this Philly felt like a game that Indianapolis gave away the special teams fumble too. Like they just put the ball on the ground quite a bit today. The turnovers really killer for Indianapolis, and then really interesting, questionable play calling in that middle part of the game where uh, you have the lead. That's when you feel like that's when they're going to really start to just continue to try to start to establish and grind the clock grind the running game going your defense is playing well at home you've done well on third down and you find ways to turn the football over again a team trying to find themselves at a big high level and not being able to sustain high level quality play for four quarters and Robert Gronkowski at the end of the day James seven for 123 on 10 targets in his second game back from injury I, I think he matters just a little bit to this Tampa Bay offense of Brady at the end of the day at 42.9 QBR 25 at 34 226. 6.6 yards per attempt as you get another look. Uh, we'll get to Survivor here on the other side, but again, just to recap the millions and the consensus plays, mentioning the Colts, one of the four losses. Eagles go down outright. That'll be a topic of discussion in Survivor when we return. Rams loses a pick despite closing minus one and a half or two, and the Steelers get blown out. We'll have to discuss that at some point as well. Uh, cost me a teaser leg there, a game that was never really close. 41-10 to Cincinnati Patriots. Again, we already discussed are the only winner of that. So one and four for the consensus, James and I. Fortunately, we have beaten the consensus this week, but we're going to need some help from Cleveland here in the nightcap. At least I will to have a winning week uh, currently at two and two. We'll discuss all implications in Circus Survivor when we return because, man, is it down to the nitty-gritty. 40 entries left going into week 12. How many are still out there? We'll tell you next here on the Pro Football Blitz. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get to Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys and they lose out to like, you know, Lil Dirk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Dirk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. 
Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the sports betting network. We have a new prop tracker now available on vcin.com for you to keep up with key NFL props. Head to vcin.com to get current odds as well as the movement each week to follow the trends and find the best value. Track the odds for MVP, head coach, rookie of the year, and more. Check out the prop tracker betting splits, key trends, and matchup data for every game now at vcin.com slash NFL. As we welcome you back, it's the Pro Football Blitz. Ben Wilson with you from downtown Las Vegas at our Circus Sportsbook Studios. 3-0 Baltimore in the Sunday night game. 12 and a half to go in the first half. I'm alongside as well. James Salinas from Denver, Colorado. Uh, James and I both needing the Brownies to wake up a little bit here. Uh, Ravens now minus six in the live in-game markets. Three possessions, three punts for Cleveland. Live total down to 37 and a half here uh, with 12-13 to go. Uh, so we'll get back to that game as as things continue to develop there as Cleveland just punted the ball away back to Baltimore. But James, we've got to talk Survivor. Uh, this was such a fascinating week with the double week, at least in Circus Survivor, having to pick a Thanksgiving Day slate, and then this weekend with the Sunday and Monday slate. Uh, and minimal carnage this week. There were only 40 entries left. The top selection, which you and I both both said, and, and give you a lot of credit, you were, you were kind of leading the charge on this thing. Look, if you got New England left, you got to take them based on how banged up Tennessee was injury-wise, and the, the 12 who did got there. However, the second leading selection, the Philadelphia Eagles, six picked, as nine overall go down, two on the Panthers and one on the Texans. So we're down to 31. I got to give Derek Stevens, by the way, a ton of props. He, he last night said between 30 and 34 will be left. And he is right. At least 31 right now. Four pending on the Ravens. Two pending as well on Seattle for tomorrow night. Uh, but James, man, a Philadelphia game where Jalen Hurts had really been talked up for all of his rushing ability. And it comes crashing down today. 14 to 31 passing, a buck 29, and three picks in a, in a spot like this. And you kind of felt like every time you looked up at that game, Philadelphia was in a third and long and not in a scenario where they could really use Hertz's running ability uh, to his advantage. 
Is this just a blip in the radar, James, for Philadelphia, or is this this the start here, kind of the peak of Philadelphia in the market that is inevitably going, going to come uh, crashing back down? Which, which one of those two sides do you find yourself on when you watch this Philly team? Well, I think Philly did what they wanted to do. They've done it for the last four weeks where they've gotten away from Jalen Hurts having to drop back 30-plus times a game to throw the football. Let's line up and play smash mouth and run the football, and they did that. They had 33 carries today for 208 yards, and that's what they had been doing prior to this game. They had been averaging for the last four games 220 yards per game rushing. And so the yardage was there, but I think it was really the execution in the – obviously it's the execution in the passing game with Jalen Hurts just not being able I – th- I think there was great pressure put on him every uh, – I didn't have a position on this game, so I had it on one of the side televisions, mm-hmm. keeping an eye on it. And every time I looked up, you're right. It was third. It seemed like it was third and long for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Hertz was constantly under pressure, having to move around, didn't feel comfortable in the pocket, and then forcing throws. And I don't know what happened at the end of the first half. It was a three point. That was what three point game in favor of the Giants. Philadelphia had gotten all the way down inside the five. I thought they were kicking a field goal. I didn't look. Next thing I look up, he's scrambling around, forcing a football as time expires and throws an interception right at the goal line. I don't know if they just for decided to go forego the field goal or if the fact that it was supposed to be a different throw that Hertz was supposed to make there and decided to scramble around and bought, basically used up the rest of the clock and threw up the interception which ended the half. I'm not sure right. exactly what the thinking process was there for the Philadelphia Eagles, but ultimately, yeah, it's seven points on the board going into New York, a banged-up New York team on both sides of the football, and that defense. And they've competed the last couple games at home, have the Giants, but in this case here, Philadelphia putting seven points on the board. I, I don't – it's it's hard to take away what we see out of the Giants, but I think from the Philadelphia Eagles, it's real clear, and they've tried to get away from the passing game that if you have to rely on Jalen Hurts to have to go win you a football game, game in the air he does not have the ability to get it done yeah so on that play eight seconds left in the game third and goal at about the three so they felt like they had time to run another play and would still be able to kick the field goal I just, I just hated the play calls it's designed rollout for Hertz basically to the right side you shorten the field on yourself and essentially he rolls out panics and with about three seconds left uh, throws it right into a, into a defender interception to end the half not only that though but you think about the second half progression your Philadelphia Fourth and two at the plus 41 of the Giants. First drive of the third quarter. Hertz throws his third interception of the game. At that point, three interceptions on six drive for Hertz. Then Boston Scott fumbles at midfield when they're down 13-7. Two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And and they finally get the ball. They do get the ball back. Four straight incompletions by Hertz down 13-7 in Giants territory with one minute to go. I, and look, I get, James, that at this point in the year, if you're, if you're talking about Survivor, your options are inevitably going to be limited. But... We always harp on this. Uh, try to avoid road teams as much as you can. And if you're going to take a road team, try not to use a road team in a divisional matchup. I get that it was Freddie Kitchens calling plays on the other side for the New York Giants. But this is, I mean, for the six people who, who lost on Philadelphia, I, probably one of those learning lessons where maybe you know, maybe avoid taking a team at the very peak of the market. And look, they've been rewarding sharp betters, public betters now for several weeks. Three wins in their last four games. Big line moves in their favor. And this thing got all the way up to Eagles minus four at close. Goes, of course, well under a total of 45 or 45 and a half as the Giants win 13-7. But at least that was my, my lesson learned from a game like this. And I was very glad that I did stay away. I wanted nothing to do with a Ke- Freddie Kitchens led offense. But this kind of reminded me, James, of that Buffalo-Jacksonville Jag- game we saw a few weeks ago where, look, New York couldn't really move the ball on Philly the whole game. Out, outgained by Philadelphia pretty comfortably. But at the end of the day, it was an Eagle offense that continued to shoot itself in the foot and just never got going. 
but you lose the turnover margin, takeaways four to zero, you're going to end up with seven points. And yeah, you think about the survivor piece, and depending on where you're at, and it's it's so hard to to think about because you don't know where everybody stands and what teams they have left. And at this point. Do you become a prisoner of the moment and thinking about what we've seen out of Philadelphia the last four weeks, rushing the football, dominating at the line of scrimmage, and being able to win three out of those four games? Then you go into New York, and then what did you see from the Giants on Monday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Obviously nothing offensively because they had to make a switch at the offensive coordinator position. Well, didn't really see much again from the Giants offensively, so I don't know if that really was the case (laughs) or not. It was just a matter of uh, that's that's part of the spoils here. When you're relying on young quarterbacks to go into a spot, now you're going on the road as a favorite. They've been sneaking up on some teams as underdogs. Now you're going on the road as a divisional favorite, and you're expected to win a different situation for a young quarterback like Jalen Hurts to be thrust into and feeling like the pressure's on me. I got to step up and perform. And unfortunately for not only the Philadelphia Eagles, but those handful of folks that picked them in Survivor, Hurts was not up to the task. Nope, he was not. Uh, The other entry that lost multiple, who had multiple people pick them, the Carolina Panthers, which ties into our discussion on the biggest injuries from this week. And without a doubt, James, the biggest injury coming out of today's games, the loss once again, this has happened several times now this year where Christian McCaffrey has left a game early. He goes out in this game. Carolina Panthers, who saw the line move against them earlier today. Miami actually took some late money. This closed Carolina laying a point and a half on the road, down from two in most of the contest. McCaffrey leaving with an ankle injury to headline our list of notable injuries that you see on your screen right there. Uh, Goes over the 40 and a half or 41 total as Miami wins the game 33-10. And how about this? Cam Newton, 5 of 21, 92 yards, two interceptions, a quarterback rating of 5.8. And after a week of, uh, of all the fluffy storylines and feel-good vibes going on in Carolina with the return of Cam Newton and that win at a Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins-less Arizona Cardinals, it has been two weeks where he has fallen flat on his face. And today, James in Miami to get blown out by a Miami team who appeared to be dead in the water and is now all of a sudden in the playoff mix at 5-7. and seven. Pretty big indictment, you have to say, on Cam Newton as, as he was... As bad as those numbers would indicate from watching the game today. Yeah, and we talked about it on yesterday's show previewing this matchup was the the novelty of Cam Newton wore off pretty quick last week against Washington and not being able to pull. And it was a tight game, competitive game last week, but now Cam, yeah, I mean, he was, you talked about his overall numbers, first half was the killer, and that's where this game was lost. I mean, Miami had a 21-10 to 10 lead, and it was really based on the turnovers. They had defense and special teams created three turnovers. Cam Newton's numbers after half, at halftime, three for 15, 81 yards and two interceptions just put put them in short fields two I was able to take advantage of it was really able to light them up in the first half throwing the football had 177 yards passing finding Waddle now they've got a connection here Waddle had a big first half too, scored a touchdown as well and I think for Miami if you think about where they're at and the fact that yeah the AFC and not so much to be able to go and win that division where they're at but kind of crawling themselves back in, winning four games in a row, not against stellar competition, but they're not facing stellar competition going forward. They play the Giants next week, then they have the bye week, then they play the New York Jets thereafter. So a couple more couple more winnable games to play at home for Miami. Uh, not that I'm saying Miami is a team that we should look. Do we want to bet the yes that Miami can make the playoffs right now? But based on the schedule and the way that they're playing, the role that they're on, uh, it's not a team that I, I'm not looking to back the New York Giants going in the next week's game. 
Man, I mean, you look at that schedule, especially with the the potential carcass that is the New Orleans Saints. I mean, that could be could be quite the turnaround for Brian for Brian Flores. Sir, I mean, very much a path to seven and seven at the very least is there over the next uh, few weeks. And by the way, Tua Tagovailoa, first quarterback in Miami Dolphins history. So yes, Dan Marino never did this to throw for uh, more than having higher than eighty percent completion rate in back to back games. Twenty seven of thirty one today for two hundred thirty yards and a touchdown. One hundred eight point three rating after going 82% last week for the Dolphins. So pretty incredible stuff uh, today from Tua Tagovailoa in the win. When we return, we're going to recap our best bet. There was a game James and I went head-to-head on. James, spoiler alert, got the win. We'll discuss what happened in Minnesota, San Francisco, on the other side right here on the Pro Football Blitz. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Cyber Monday offer is here right now, and you sign up for our $99 midseason football special. You'll also receive a $20 credit to the VSIN store. Get all of our expert sports betting analysis, insights, and data for the rest of the football season, plus $20 to buy VSIN sports betting hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear. Hurry, this is a limited time offer, so sign up now for the perfect sports betting holiday gift at vsin.com slash subscribe as we're back on the pro football blitz ben wilson with you from downtown las vegas in our circus sportsbook studios joined by james salinas former super contest champion from denver colorado man we uh, were for both of us we've got cleveland in our contest place tonight james and we we just got very fortunate here baltimore a 17 play 59 yard drive they had james second first and goal at the three second and goal at the one but a after getting stuffed on back-to-back plays incomplete pass on third down they have a false start going for it on fourth and goal at the one. And so both teams with just ridiculous errors in that spot. We had Cleveland already with a 12 men on the field on a fourth down out of their own timeout. And now Baltimore unable to punch it in with first and goal at the three. Six nothing game, 353 to go in the second. But we say all this, James, and Cleveland has punted on all three of its possessions. So uh, we, we still need, I still, still feels like we need some help here. Baltimore has been the right side so far. The question always is when you look at games like these in these tight divisional matchups, has Baltimore done enough in, in the position they are given where they have come out as, as the dominant side? Will settling for these two field goals come back to haunt the Ravens here, especially with what we just saw, that false start on fourth and goal at the one? Well, Cleveland now, fortunately for them, only down still just the one score. They have not been able to establish any kind of rushing game so far. Kareem Hunt, four carries, 10 yards. Nick Chubb, three carries, three yards. That's it. So between mm. the two, they 13 yards rushing right now for the two backs, and we knew coming in that's what they wanted to do. They were finally healthy, not able to get it done right now, and it's Baker Mayfield having to throw the football, and that is not a recipe for success. What is a recipe for success is with Baltimore. I think at least we know the one thing, Offensive Player of the Year, that's going to be Tucker, and Tucker's two for two with his field goals, but at least from that standpoint, it was a big goal line stand defensive stand there first and goal inside the five for the Cleveland Browns and really sold out on the run and a great play by Miles Garrett really what an athlete on the edge to get up and and bat down a pass that was going to go for a touchdown in the corner so I mean we still have some hope but I'm not feeling too confident even though we have that hook and we're sitting here with the Browns plus the three and a half from what I've seen so far almost through the entirety of the first half for the Cleveland Browns offensively if it comes down to Baker Mayfield having to go in and make plays and even try to find the backdoor lover cover. I don't feel too good about our prospects of where we sit right I, now. I think it's the defense. That's I think the defense is going to have to create a play and create a short field right now for this Browns team. I They're not going to go exactly the full same. length of the field to score. 
and five and a half or six and a half, depending on the book. Now the live number 33 and a half now is your live total. Baltimore six, Cleveland nothing, four minutes to go in the first half. I feel the same way as you, James. <laughs> it's like in a week that's already had all these back and forth, up and down games, I feel like I'm going to be, uh, again, needing a team playing from behind in the second half. It's like, what's what's new? Uh, speaking of the contest plays, let's get to what our plays were this week. Want to get into Vikings-Niners because that was a contest play for me and a loss. It was a play, though, for you, James, and uh, and a win. So as we'll show up here our, uh, our plays uh, in just a moment. That game, so fascinating as that went down the stretch where Kirk Cousins, really the play everybody is talking about here, in an eight-point loss, 34-26, with a lot of late movement coming to San Francisco, who closed as a four-point favorite. This goes over the 49-point total. Kirk Cousins on a fourth-and-goal play with several minutes left, his team down 34-26, lines up under his right guard, forcing Minnesota to burn a timeout that, uh, spoiler alert, would come back to burn the Vikings. Uh, they would It would result in them getting the ball back with about 40 seconds fewer time than they would have at the end of the game, and their final drive of the game comes up short. Leads to a timeout, next play, incomplete pass, and that really sealed the game. And what was, James, a handicap by you well called out because San Francisco's running game completely demolished a depleted Minnesota defensive line. As a whole, this team went uh, 39 carries, 208 yards, including 27 for a buck. 33 out of Elijah Mitchell. So from that perspective, very much you were uh, on the right side, James. You just can't, can't help, though, but think about a couple key plays and key passes that Kirk Cousins missed that really swung the tenor of this game overall. Well, and you mentioned that fourth down play. How about the second half? I mean, it's a competitive game. It's a tie game going into the third quarter, and there was a big drive from from the Niners, get the ball first. They go right down and score Minnesota gets back, and we're kind of feeling like, all right, this is going to be one of those. We're just going to match scores, match scores. And a really poor decision by Kirk Cousins at the first or second play that they had that first possession in the second half, trying to get back into the game. He throws an interception, didn't read the linebacker. Terrific play by that linebacker, too. Really great athletic play. But it's then they're able to return it all the way down to the two-yard line. San Francisco punches it in from there. Elijah Mitchell, a two-yard run to go up now two touchdowns. And now Minnesota's really having to play from behind. And, yeah, I think for me the handicap going into the game was the fact that the defensive line was so depleted. They were so short up front. And knowing the strength of the 49ers, what they need to do, what they want to do, and what they need to do to take pressure off Garoppolo, who honestly, Ben, looked really shaky, and I was really sweating, just feeling like if it's going to come down to Garoppolo having to make some plays with his happy feet sitting in the pocket, I wasn't trusting where that was going. But fortunately, they got that two-touchdown lead and really were able to establish and commit to running the football again, and Elijah Mitchell, tremendous game rushing the football. Debo Samuel had a great game, too, in this matchup, but went out with a groin injury. So I think for San Francisco, that's something we're going to have to watch going forward. How, how how injured is Debo Samuel coming back? But Elijah Mitchell getting back into the lineup, running the football, great game today, over 130 yards rushing. And both of Samuel's touchdowns were on the ground. Six carries, 66 yards, had a 49-yard rushing touchdown as San Francisco gets the win. I will say, like, I, I had a Minnesota in a teaser leg. Now, Pittsburgh had already ruined the teaser. But for those of you out there who had Minnesota in a teaser Man, did you you get a nice little gift at the end there with a short missed field goal by Robbie Gold. Would have put San Francisco up 11 when you would have teased Minnesota up to either 9.5 or 10. And as a result, uh, you cover that number. There's look at my uh, plays from today. So 2-2 two and two in the contest with Browns pending. I will say, James, as wrong as I was on the handicap in Chargers, Broncos over 47. This is why in-game betting is, it can be, is such a friend and it should be utilized by betters. As the second Drew Locke came in <laughs> with the injured Teddy Bridgewater, who did later return into the game, 
as a Missouri University of Missouri alum, James, as soon as I saw Drew Locke in the game, I'm like, uh, my uh, my over is completely done. And as soon as Denver scored to go up 14 nothing, that was an auto fire for me on the live under to get off of that bet. I had it under in game 50 and a half, which in the end is, is a no sweat as Denver wins the game 28-13. But what a disappointing showing by Justin Herbert in a Chargers offense who could get not could not get anything going against a bottom six defensive DVOA team in the Denver Broncos today. And I did the same thing. I got it at 49 and a half. I no, all right. Great minds think briefly, but, but, but we were thinking exactly the same thing. Not only with Drew Locke going down, but the Denver, the, the, what concerned me with taking the Denver side or the total for that matter, for them to be able to put up enough points to, to match that total to go over was the fact that their offensive line already had issues and Garrett Bowles was out, right? Both tackles were out. The guard was out. And then in the first quarter, they lost two more. They lost their, they lost Bowles backup and also Reisner went out. So they had a completely revamped offensive line. And that's where I thought, well, how is Denver going to be able to score? And yeah, exactly. Once I saw Bridgewater on the sideline getting his leg rubbed like yes that's where we got to jump in on the total but the other side for that thinking about the chargers and how well they played last week and we know ben this is such a week-to-week league in the national in the nfl but from where how how well they performed offensively last week to what we saw today and great performance by the Denver Broncos. i don't want to take anything away from what they did defensively but Justin Herbert, he didn't want to stand in the pocket. I think maybe that the fact that he ran for almost a hundred yards last week, he felt like, hey, I could be, I could, I could be a dual threat quarterback too, because it was one read and let me get outside the pocket and see what I can make some throws down the field. Made some really poor decisions, some sidearm throws. Awful day for Justin Herbert. Great defensive game plan coming in for the Denver Broncos. They got great pressure on Herbert as well to have to force him out of the pocket on a number of throws too. But no rushing game again. No commitment to rushing the ball for the Chargers. It all fell on Justin Herbert. Now coming on the road. Now you're the ex- the expectations climb. You're the favorite. You're supposed to go win a big divisional game on the road. And another one of these young quarterbacks that falls flat today. Yeah, and I'm glad. I'm, I'm at least glad we were able to profit from the in-game under perspective. And I just I think in general, James, the way the in-game market algorithms are set up do not really account for injury situations like we saw today. Now, sure, if it's, a, if it's a nationally televised Sunday night game and it's like a Tom Brady who goes down with a gruesome injury, yes, the lines are going to be taken off and manually changed to reflect that. But the algorithm did not at all account for the fact that it was Drew Locke into the game at quarterback. In that first quarter, Chargers had 2.7 yards per play, and it was apparent it would be a struggle. But and the one thing that Justin Herbert was knocked for, at least early in this season and going back to his rookie season, James, was his struggles in the red zone. And today, in a game that was very much in the balance, down 14-7 with Drew Locke in the game at quarterback and Denver having the momentum, throws a terrible interception in the red zone, actually in the end zone, and then later down 21-7, the backbreaker, again driving, throws a tipped pick six that essentially ices the game, making it 28-7. And that was all she wrote. Uh, Chargers get a late touchdown, but not enough for that game to go over the closing total there of either 47 or 47.5. Denver 28 uh, Chargers 13. Uh, by the way, uh, the Sunday night game, James, is officially drunk. I'm going to tell you why on the other side. All sorts of chaos officially breaking out at m Bank Stadium in Baltimore. We'll discuss that. We'll also discuss what happened in the other AFC North showdown today. It was a beatdown in Cincinnati. We'll get uh, James's thoughts on that game up next as we continue here on the Pro Football Blitz.
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, bro. <laughs> Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This segment of Pro Football Blitz is brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zinn. So head on over to Zyn.com slash find to locate a store near you. That is Z-Y-N.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right, lots 
to get you caught up on in the Sunday night game as we welcome you back. Ben Wilson joined by former Super Contest champion James Salinas from Denver, Colorado. First off, James, Browns had the brilliant decision to line up Jarvis Landry at quarterback, takes a direct snap, tries to pass, gets hit from behind, and fumbles in Baltimore territory down 6 nothing. You're At this point, you and I both with Cleveland plus 3.5 in the contest. You have Cleveland plus 9.5 in a teaser, and we're like, all right, this, this night is going from bad to worse. Then Lamar Jackson throws an interception. He's picked by Denzel Ward two plays later, gives the Browns some renewed life. They drive back into Baltimore territory, settle for a field goal, and after already missing once wide left by Chase McLaughlin from 46, he hits the inside of the post and gets a friendly bounce as it hits off the inside of the post and in for a 46-yard field goal with a minute, two seconds to go in the first half. 6-3, James, in a game that has been drunk now for uh, about 10 minutes of, uh, of real time here. 6-3 live. Total 33 or 33 and a half, four and a half now on the Ravens live. And uh, yeah, you want to like all we, we always talk about this in the AFC North. You just throw your hands up with these teams. And what we just saw over the last three sequences of series, no exception here for sure. And then it leaves you wondering, why do we do this to ourselves? Why Why are we torturing ourselves? (laughs) to find on these things. And I know my wife can, she, she asked me that quite a bit, but well, but we're here and thinking about I'm glad that ricocheted inside that upright because uh, <laughs> I don't know if something would have been thrown at one of these TVs in here if, if we relied on the kicker again and he choked again and missed another kick. So at least for six to three, but you talked about the live line. I mean, I'm, we're obviously we've got our positions. I'm not looking to get involved and in, in, with the contest play. We can't get off of it. But sitting here now, we had talked about before the game, looking at the under, sitting at 47, and if you wanted to find an over, wait till an in-game spot. The fact that this has crawled all the way down to 32 and a half, and we're sitting at mm-hmm. nine points total, I don't know. Can we? Can I, I? I don't think I can recommend looking at the over, just based on what we see, especially offensively with Cleveland right now. It's all on Baker Mayfield to have to make throws. We talked about how banged up he is coming into this game, and his receiver core is pretty banged up too. The running game not being there for him to help out the passing game uh, with the threat of hand, hammering the football. It's all on Baker Mayfield right now. I think that's what gives me the biggest pause for concern is the fact that not only for our plays, but trying to get involved in game if we're looking to play the Browns, that if you have to rely on Baker Mayfield, and he's played admirably so far, but if you have to rely on Baker Mayfield to have to go make plays here in the second half to keep this game close, to win this game outright, or at least cover that number, uh, again, I just don't have a whole lot of confidence in Baker to get that done. I, I'm right there with you, and I came out saying at the start, I would look to maybe play an in-game over if he got it low enough with how slow of starters Baltimore has been this year, but with Jack Conk on the right tackle going out, we have yet to see him return, likely done for the night, and the running game being so anemic for Cleveland, as, as you just touched on, James, right now, uh, as, I, as I update the numbers here, nine carries for 17 yards as a team for the Cleveland Browns. I'm right there with you. We're probably going to get a, maybe I would think probably 23 and a half, 24 is the second half total when that comes. By the way, first half total of 23 going to go way under as Lamar Jackson just throws a second interception of the half. So, you know what, this game, like I said, the game is drunk. Uh, we will see what happens here with Cleveland getting the ball back. Just outside the Baltimore red zone with under a minute to go in the first half. I mean, come on, Lamar. What are we what are we doing here? Uh speaking of drunk, James, though, the AFC North, and just as a as a whole, this division, a game that you and I both really liked. You were and I reach on the same side, as were over a thousand people in Circa Millions. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the number one consensus play this week in a Circa Millions consensus that got battered going just one and four. Pittsburgh comes out and basically in a game. 
you felt like they had a, a pretty good shot in a, the second meeting between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati this year after Pittsburgh lost 24-10 at home. After a really good showing by Ben Roethlisberger on the road in L.A. against the Chargers last week in a tight Sunday night football loss, felt like a live dog this week, but after getting bet down all the way from 4.5 where we had him in the contest, down to 3.5 where Cincinnati closed the 3.5-point favorite, this thing was over at halftime. A Big Ben pick six right before the end of the half sealed it to make it 31-3 Cincy going into the locker room. And the Bengals roll 41-10. This game does go over the 43-and-a-half for 44. And uh, James, Joe Burrow, we, we were worried about some of his recent struggles. Would that carry over against the Pittsburgh defense getting healthier? Well, first half, Burrow, 14-16, a buck 54 and a couple of touchdowns. He certainly answered those questions, and he answered them right away today. Throwing the football, but really it was the it was Joe Mixon running the football. He had a monster first half, over 100 yards rushing and a touchdown, 20 carries for 117 yards for Joe Burrow. And I think that, or not for Joe Burrow, but to take pressure off Joe Burrow in that passing game. And I think for Mixon, we talked about this and previewed this game yesterday, thinking about will Cincinnati commit to running the football like they did last week against the Las Vegas Raiders, especially in the second half, and they did. But I just look at it more so on the Pittsburgh Steelers side. They were a complete no-show on the defensive side. They didn't tackle in space. They played with no push up front. They looked like, I wonder if it almost felt like they just, well, we got our starters back now. And since our starters are back, that we missed a couple, missed last week in that loss. And a, a tough-fought loss, really competitive game to the Chargers. Now we got our guys back. We'll just be able to show up and Cincinnati just lay down for us. And just no heart, no energy, no toughness, nothing from the defensive side of the football for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Really disappointing effort all the way around for both sides. But really, it was just a 30-minute game. It was a scrimmage after that because it was the game was done at halftime. I had, uh, as I mentioned, Pittsburgh a teaser leg up to 10 as well as having them in the contest. And the way that Cincinnati set the tone, as you point out, uh, James, and end up rushing as a team for 198 yards. Didn't, Joe Burrow really didn't have to do anything in the second half after that great start. But 10-play, 75-yard drive right out of the gate leads to Joe Burrow's first rushing touchdown of the season. And Ben Roethlisberger on his first drive interception, 10 nothing before you, you even wake up basically in that game. Big Ben in this one, 24-41 for 263, a touchdown and two picks. My my bigger question on Pittsburgh side, you know, I had this was one of, I had all seven games on early, started to not pay attention, obviously in the second half with the game being over, James. But I look up with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Ben Roethlisberger was still in the game. This is a guy who's been banged up all season, is just starting to get back healthy, and he took a couple of shots there late. That was my biggest question for for Pittsburgh coming out of this, James. You've got a quarterback who's already at the end of the line one of the oldest starters in the NFL, and they leave him out there all 60 minutes. What what could Mike Tomlin have possibly been thinking in a spot like that with a game already well decided? Not only that, I don't know what Mike Tomlin is thinking the entire game. I mean, you mentioned the pick six right there to close the half for the Steelers for, for Cincinnati just to pretty much put the, the last nail in the coffin, but it's you're inside your own 20 with less uh, it was like 30 seconds left you hadn't done anything offensively the entire time you just got an interception you just got a turnover to me i'm like all right no good go in Go into halftime, regroup, lick your wounds, come back out, see if you can make some adjustments and compete back better in the second half. Now we'll go ahead and sling the football around. Uh, ben didn't have any chance. They pushed. They had a great push up front, didn't get to step into the throw. It was an easy pick six for Cincinnati to return it back to the house. But questionable decisions all day long. But ultimately, I think questionable just was this team even prepped for this game. I mean, it falls on the players. they got to step out and perform and compete and play hard. But uh, – 
You talked about Tomlin. They just look like they just were not engaged in any facet of the game today. And a lot of these, to- a lot of games, Ben, seem like they're won during the week when it comes to preparation. We can talk about Bill Belichick and some of the other great coaches in this league where we can see attention to detail really shows out on Sunday. Well, complete lack of focus and effort from the Pittsburgh Steelers. How much of that falls on the coaching staff? And not, I mean, what you just said, would you ever expect that out of a Mike Tomlin coach team in a divisional spot right. like this where Pittsburgh – had a look. They they go had a chance to potentially lead the division or be within a half game, uh, depending on the result in Baltimore, Cleveland tonight. And said they're now last five five and one as Cincinnati improves uh, to seven and four with that dominant forty one to ten victory. Uh, and and speaking of the AFC North, James, I was just googling this. the The average expected life expectancy for uh, a U.S. born male currently is seventy eight point eight years. Uh, after today's results, I think, and watching the Sunday night game, I think my my life ex- expectancy has has gone down. To approximately 76.2, because after, Le- oh, all right, now it's actually gone back up to 76.3. Lamar Jackson throws an interception, his second of the half, just a couple minutes ago, under one minute to go in the half. Baker Mayfield and the Browns have it in Baltimore territory. Baker goes back, trying to set up a screen. Keeping in mind, remember, James and I both have the Browns plus three and a half. Loses the ball out of his hand, fumble, gives it right back to Baltimore. And as I go into my soliloquy on why my life expectancy has dropped, James, Lamar Jackson, third interception of the half in Cleveland territory. It is still 6-3 Ravens. What is going on out there? And and a terrible throw is nowhere close to where he's looking at Andrews. You talked about this game being drunk. Well, we've got 60 more minutes, Ben, and I'm going to join him as soon as we're done with our I, I have this only have this bottle of water. I might I need to get a drink. <laughs> there is, we are at a casino, by the way, Circus Sports. Bank. I might need to you know hit up our, our guy, Derek Stevens, get some sort of beverage here in studio. Uh, we still have a lot more to talk about, though, in our final hour. We'll get to several other games we have not hit on yet and continue to discuss this wacky Sunday night football game in Baltimore. On the other side, hour number three coming up next here on the Pro Football Blitz. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in, so you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. At 